Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Hey, let me tell you a story this morning. There was a man who was pastoring and shepherding a large congregation of people, uh, just a giant group of, of people in this church. And, uh, and as he did, he felt like the Spirit of God was calling him to, uh, to create or to build a new place for their people to worship. Uh, and in the middle of this worship environment that they were trying to create, uh, he kind of felt, again, like there's this opportunity for us to hire in some contractors to bring some people in to do the work, uh, to make all of this happen. But as he's putting all these things together, the questions that get asked during that period of time are things like, well, how are we going to resource this work? And how are we going to do this and pay for this and accomplish this? And, and so as he's praying through what to do, he feels again like the Spirit of God is prompting, prompting him to say, the people of this congregation are going to provide all of the resources for this. Uh, not, not just like they're going to give money to it, but they're going to provide the actual physical resources to do this work. If there needs to be wood or stone or whatever, you're, they're going to bring this stuff, right? And so, uh, so he goes, okay, this is how we're going to do this. And they go to the contractor and say, we're just going to wait on God to move through our people to provide all of the things that we need to build this structure that God's asking us to do. Uh, and, and so they went, okay, well, we have no idea how long this is going to take. We have no idea what this is going to look like, but we're just going to trust God. And, and he came to find out that these contractors, these men that he had hired are, are very spirit-filled people as well, and that they're on board with this, and they're not thinking this is crazy in any stretch of the imagination, but they're like, yeah, we're, we're going to do this in, in the way that you feel like God is leading you for this group of people that you're shepherding and you're pastoring. And here's what they found. It did not take long for the people just to start pouring out generously gifts to this new building project. And that they just kept bringing stuff and bringing stuff and all of the materials and resources and items that were needed to build this new structure, a place of worship for their church, uh, they just immediately brought in. And so the contractors come to the leader and they're like, hey, listen, we, we have plenty of stuff now to start this building project. Can we go ahead and get started? And he's like, yeah, by all means, let's go. Like they've like, we have the resources, it's here. But after just a couple of days of starting, they ran into trouble. Uh, and the issue was is that the people didn't stop bringing things to build as they're starting to get this structure going up. And so the contractors have to come back to the pastor and go, hey, as you're leading and shepherding these people, you need to ask them to stop giving. And he's like blowing his mind here going, I, I don't think a pastor has ever been asked in the history of time to go to the people and be like, hey, listen, it's too generous. Can you stop? Right? Like that's never taken place before. And so he's like, what do I need to do? Do we need to like put lock boxes on, on the, you know, locks on the giving boxes? Do we need to do whatever? And the contractor's like, I think it's worse than that. I think we're going to have to completely take down the receiving centers. Like our guys are so busy receiving goods and items that they can't work. They can't do the construction. So they have to shut everything down. And then he goes, we need to also send a memo out to everybody that this has got to stop. You got to just stop giving, right? That's the craziest memo that anybody's ever written in the history of time. And so here's what was actually written and said when they sent this thing out. They said, no man or woman is to make anything else as an offering to the sanctuary. Send, right? And yet, even with that, they had to physically restrain some people from bringing items to contribute to the building of the process. 
Like this is an incredible thing that you're seeing take place with the generosity of people outpoured when they get behind something that God wants to do. And if you're curious of where that story comes from, it's straight out of the Bible. It's in Exodus chapter 36, as Moses is commanded by God to build a temple or a tabernacle for his people. And they have to restrain the people from giving, to go, stop, don't bring any more. We've got all that we need and then some. Like, you can, you're off the hook, we're done. Like, we've got it, we don't need any more. But that's the kind of heart of generosity that God calls us to. And we're talking about generosity this morning, and I want you to understand, if you're new with us, we're in a teaching series uh, that's focused on the core values of our church, the things that we hold as beliefs to keep us on the path to being a disciple-making church. And generosity is one of those things. And so for us, if you're taking notes this morning or following along on our app, I want you to see this, that generosity is the hallmark of God's faithful people in both the Old and the New Testament. When we think about generosity, this is a hallmark of all of the people of faith that would say in both the Old and New Testament, God calls people to be incredibly generous. If you're a follower of Yahweh, that you're generous in nature. And so as a church, we're looking at these core values that we've adopted. I want you guys to read these with me. We're going to put these on the screen for you. The five core values that we kind of follow, and here's what they are. Read these out with me. Number one, we talked about this last week, real relationships and authenticity. All right. Number two, today we're talking about generosity. Number three, team and collaboration. Number four, externally focused. And then number five, multiplication. Right? So these are the things that drive us as a church so that keep us in a place where we don't become something that moves toward a, status, a static quo, uh, that we don't move toward something that takes us away from our mission. But these things help guide us into who we believe God has called us to be as disciple makers who want to help others know what it looks like to know and follow Jesus that we're creating a church, that we've built this church on the idea that God has called us to make disciples and to do that in all the nations. So how do we do that? Well, these things help us stay on task, right? And so when we think about being externally focused, you can't make disciples if you're just constantly looking internally and at yourself. You've got to go out to the world to make disciples. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations, right? So we've got to do that. When we think about multiplication of teams and leaders and, and uh, groups and, and even churches, that we want to be a church that learns to multiply, that we want to be a church that's full of generosity. And so that's what we're talking about today, that we want to be a church that's generous. And I love our church. It truly has a heart of generosity. And it's one of the things that, that I'm so thankful for when we talk to people uh, all around the country about our church and the things that God is doing here is just that there is a heart of generosity here that we want to bless other people, that we want to be on mission with Jesus to do incredible things. And so this week, if you're new to us again and haven't heard what we're doing, as we go through these core values, we're trying to give some practical steps, practical application, next things that you can do to learn to focus on and live out these values. So last week was team and collaboration. Oh, excuse me. Last week was uh, real relationships and authenticity. We signed up for life groups. Those are the relational environments we want people to be in. You need to join a life group and be a part of a group that you can just pour your life into and pour your heart out into, right? Then today, as we talk about generosity, it's Generosity Sunday. This is something that we do once a year. And everything that's given this week in our church, if you give tithes, offerings, or an above and beyond gift generously, Every single penny that comes in this week is going to be completely given away. 
We're not going to use any of it to pay our staff, to pay for our building needs, to pay for any kind of ministry stuff. Every penny that comes in this week, we're going to turn around and over the course of the next few months, we're going to give it away to people who have need in different ways. Some of those will be ministries, some of those will be individuals, some of those will be in our church, some of those will be outside of our church. We're just going to find ways as a church to say, because of our love for Jesus, we want to bless you and we want to give to you. And we're going to just turn around and give all this money away. And so I love that, and I'm so thankful for a church that allows us to be a part of those kinds of things. But this isn't just about being generous with our money. In fact, if you look on our website, and you ever kind of pay attention to the materials that guide us and govern us as a church, one of the statements that we have about the core value of generosity is this, that we desire to be a people who give willingly, cheerfully, and liberally of our time, our talents, and our resources, or our treasures, Uh, This is not just something that we're saying, hey, grab your your wallet, grab your purse. This is a financial thing. When it comes to being generous, you can be generous in a lot of different ways. That we want people to be generous with their time. How do I I give of my time to serve other people? How am I generous with with my, my talent? The things that God has given me to do, how do I bless others with that? What does that look like? And then with my resources and with the treasures that God has given to me, I want to learn to be generous. And so the question then becomes, well, why should we do this? What's the practice of generosity like? Why is this a driving force for us? And so I want us to go to scripture and look at a few passages together this morning. Psalm chapter 112, verse 5 says this, Good will come to those who are generous and who lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. And so the psalmist says that good things come when you're generous. Heinz 57 says good things come to those who wait. The Bible says good things come to those who are generous. Like if you operate out of a heart of generosity, good things come to you in that. This is not just about what I do for others, but I receive blessing from God as I learn to be generous as I act in generosity. Psalm chapter 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Right, so in this aspect of generosity, we go, here's what we need to understand as a people, that the earth and everything in it and you and all who live in it belong to God. So guess what that means? You are not an owner of any of the things that God has blessed you with. You are a steward of those things. And as a result, because everything belongs to God, we have to be people who live with open hands to say, God, if you desire to in some way redistribute this thing that I have that you've blessed me with as a steward to give to someone else, to help with someone else, to love someone else, then by all means, God, it's in my hands, but it's for your glory and your purposes. And you can take it out of my hands because I do not own this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and all who live in it. So your life is a stewardship. Your possessions are given to you to steward for God's purposes. We are not owners. We're stewards. So as stewards of God's, we learn to be generous. Then number three, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 5 says, cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. So he goes, listen, you can look at wealth, you can look at treasures, but guess what's going to happen? All those things are just instantly gone. Something's going to happen. It can be taken from you at a moment. You can lose everything in a heartbeat and it's just gone, right? Now, I've done a lot of funerals and I've attended a lot of funerals as a pastor and as a 
fringes to people and different things like that. And I'll tell you this, I have never once after a funeral service seen a hearse carrying a casket to the sanctuary or to the, to the burial site with a U-Haul trailer behind it. It's never happened, right? Once you're gone, your possessions do not go with you. The pharaohs of Egypt tried this, right? We have incredible temples built to the pharaohs. We call them pyramids. And inside of those pyramids, they would store up all of their vast wealth and all of their vast resources, thinking that in their afterlife, those materials were going to go with them to be a blessing to them in the afterlife. And guess what? Thousands of years later, the more we dig in those places and the more we find stuff, guess what we're finding? All of the treasure that didn't go with them, right? It doesn't go with you. Why hold on to things with tight, closed fists in this life for it to only be gone when you are? And so we need to be people who learn to live with open hands in that way. Jesus told a story to kind of help us understand how God feels about collecting wealth for ourselves and, and, and about not having a generous heart. This is in Luke chapter 12. I want you to see this with me. Starting in verse 16, it says, And he, Jesus, told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, well, what should I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And I'll store up all my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. And so he says, listen, you can have all the stuff in the world, but you're going to take your last breath, and then what's going to happen to it? Are you living with closed fists, or are you living with open hands? And so I want to illustrate this this way this morning. I'm going to ask for a couple of volunteers. They don't know I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. So you guys are sitting on the front row. Why don't you come up here and join me real fast? Good choice. Yeah, just, you know, no, not you. I only need two. You're too small. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. But really, you can't come. You need to stay down there. I only need, I'm going to watch this. You're going to watch. Okay, great. You can do whatever you want to. You can, just, you can do whatever you want to. This, You know what? I'm just a steward up here. You can do whatever you want to, okay, man? All right, so here's what I want you to do. You come over here on this side of me. I want you to just grab in here and grab some sand, and I want you to palm it in your hand like that. You're going to have closed hands. All right, you take that, tight, pack it down. You don't let anything out. This is yours. You, maybe you have too much. You need to, like, really get it in. All right, CJ, I need you to hold your hands over, and you're going to be open cup. And so here we go. Here's what we're going to do. Can you see? You can't see. You can't see. You said you're going to come up here and watch, and you can't see. I can't see. Here's what we go. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to be pouring some sand into CJ's hands. All right, here we go. Now, here's the thing. I want you now to open your hand a little bit. Let's open your hand up and let us see how much sand you've got in there. Yeah, you don't, you don't have nearly as much sand in your hand as CJ did with that clenched fist. And here's the cool thing about CJ. I can keep pouring sand into his hands. And here's the thing. As I pour more in, some comes off the sides, right? And it comes into this plate right here. And this is like being generous. This is going, God's wanting to pour some things into your hands. And as he pours stuff into your hands, some of it slips out and some greedy people sweep in, right? <laughs> but when we live with closed hands, you can kind of dump that out there, guys. When we live with closed hands, 
We don't have near the ability. Number one, we can't receive more from God because our hands are close to it. When we're holding on to everything that we already have, we don't have room to receive anything else from God. And there's not as much that's there for us to do with. Our resources aren't, aren't well received because they're so small and tight and compact. But when we live with open hands, God can continue to pour into us and the excess that flows out of those hands to other people can be used for God's glory, for God's blessings, and for God's benefit in this kingdom. And so we want to be people who understand how to live in that way, right? But when we think about this, Randy Alcorn made this statement. He said, too often... We assume that God has increased our income to increase our standard of living when his stated purpose is to increase our standard of giving. Like that God will increase over the years, over the span of time, he might increase your income, not so that you can go, oh, I've got more income, I can buy a nicer car. I've got more income, I can get a bigger house. I've got more income, I can wear nicer clothes. You can do all of those things. But at some level, God is saying, I've increased your income so that I can increase your generosity. I want you to take the things that I'm blessing you with, and I want you to give to others. And I want you to, out of a heart of compassion and grace and love and mercy for other people, do those things. We want to learn to be generous people. And I know that that flies in the face sometimes of our American culture and of the whole idea of... Uh, capitalism and the American dream and all the different things. And yet, when we look at Scripture, we don't find a whole lot of those same ideas. We find a lot of things where Jesus is going, hey, bless those who persecute you. Give to those who are needy. Love well through generosity. Like, those are the kind of things that we need to do. And so, for me, I learned a valuable lesson in that this week. Um, I love to eat out. And I had an illustration just kind of hit me in the face this week about generosity. I was preparing for this message and thinking about generosity a lot. And um, I probably have too much time on my hands to go and eat meals. And so I ate a lot of fast food. And in going to eat at fast food places, uh, I found something really interesting this week that I want to share with you. And so here's a couple of illustrations of some places that I ate just this week. Number one, I don't go often, but McDonald's. And so at McDonald's, I bought you know, a burger and some fries. And here's what you get. You get... You get a regular fry with your burger. And if you're eating a hamburger and a fry and maybe a milkshake, you come away and you're like, man, I feel really good. I've got plenty to eat and I felt great about that. And that's okay. This is not huge, but it's there. And you got the bonus fry. And so there it is. Uh, there's always a bonus fry at the bottom of your McDonald's bag. All right. And so then one day I went to Pals, our new next door neighbors right at the bottom of the hill. Fantastic. We're glad Pals is here. Pals, again, you know, regular French fry, Frenchy fry. We got to call them the right thing, right? Uh, so we got our Pals Frenchy fries here. And... Um, Again, it's just a regular size fry. Good with that. Plenty with a hamburger and all kinds of other stuff. Then I went to Five Guys. And Five Guys gives you a cup, and you're like, ooh, a regular cup of French fries at Five Guys. That is fantastic. And they're like, oh, but we're not done yet. Because here's what we're going to do inside of your bag. We're just going to pour French fries inside of your bag. We're going to give you the little cup, but we're going to make sure that you leave with excess, right? And somebody pointed out to me, and they went, yeah, but you pay for that excess. And I went, yeah, it's about double the cost of what you get here, but it feeds three times the people. It is immense generosity that Five Guys is dealing with when it comes to French fries, right? And so we're just going, we need as Christians to learn to be as generous as Five Guys. I'm just going, here's what it looks like for us to go, well, I'm going to give you what you need, and then I'm going to go... 
and more, right? Like it is just so much. I was eating with a friend and the lady at the register, when we checked out, she went, do you guys just want to share a regular fry? It's enough for two. And we went, okay, I guess. We did not finish the French fries between the two of us, right? And so it's like this is abundantly generous. It is more than we could ask for. It is more than we need. And we need to learn to be generous in that way as followers of Jesus. There we go. Hey, I can give you the bare minimum. God, I can give you the bare minimum of what you ask. I can do the, the most small minutia things for the kingdom. But I want to learn to operate in generosity. I want to learn to be someone who goes, God, if you ask for this, I want to give that and more. God, if you call me to this, I want to do that and more. God, if you put somebody in my life, I want to meet them where they are and I want to go beyond what they need. I want to learn to be generous. And again, when we talk about this, this is not just a financial principle, right? We talked about it earlier. When we think about this, we talk about our time. Where do you have time that you can be generous with your time? And I'm just going to go ahead and plug a couple of ministries for us this morning. And I know I do this pretty regularly, but it's valuable to us as a church. And I don't plug all of our ministries all the time. And so if you're a ministry leader and I've never plugged your ministry from the stage, come and talk to me. I'll do that for you another time. But here's what I want you to know. Our children's ministries and our youth ministries at this church are exploding. Like going crazy. It's unreal. Just go stand back there one Sunday with earplugs. You're going to need them. But here's what I need for you to know. We need people who would say, I have time and I could serve because we need volunteers. We need leaders for our kids. And parents, I know for you that a lot of times you come to church in the mornings and you're just like, I've had these kids all week. I just want to give them to someone else for a little while and go sit in service. That's fine. Do that for one service and then go serve in the other one because we need you. The truth is, is that so many of us, even within our parent ministry, and I'm not like yelling and screaming at you guys, but even as parents in our church that just go, I let my parents come here, but I never give back. I never do anything to help. I never do anything to serve. I never do anything to volunteer. Our kids need us to step into those roles. If you're a grandparent, you don't have kids at home anymore, but you still love kids, go serve in our children's ministry. Volunteer with our student ministry. Friday night, we had a lock-in here at the church. I haven't found any dead bodies, so I'm assuming it all went well. Everybody survived. But we need people who are going to say, I love teenagers, I love students, and I want to be here to invest in them, to build into them, to pour into their lives, and I want to make an impact in the kingdom in that place and in that, that way. We need your help. We need people to step up and say, I have time, and I'll give it to help in some different ways. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to be the leader. Parents, again, let me, just children's ministry, real fast. If all of our parents signed up, probably you would only have to, to serve every four to six to eight weeks, depending on how many people really get engaged. We already have the teachers and the leaders. We just need some people to help to carry on those ministries. And it doesn't mean you have to do it every single week. But do you have one Sunday a month? Do you have one Sunday every two months? Could you volunteer one Sunday every eight weeks that you would say, I can do that and I want to be generous with my time and I want to find ways to serve? The second place that we talk about this, again, is that we want to be generous with our talents. When we think about the things that God has given us the ability to do, 
Man, what does it look like for me as a person with talents and gifts and skills to move out into our community and say, I want to be a blessing to others in this way. I want to use the things that God has given me to do. He's uniquely crafted you to do incredible things. How do you give that back? What do you do to use your talents for other people? And then finally, when we come around to this last aspect, that we understand that God has given us financial resources to steward for his glory. So how do we learn to be good stewards of our finances? What does that look like? And so let me give you just a couple of principles this morning before we start to close things up. Here's from scripture. We'll start one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. Proverbs chapter three, verse nine says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. This is so give off of the top. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. The first fruits just means it comes right off the top. It's the first and the best of what you bring to God. So God gets the first and the best of what we have. That we're not giving God leftovers. That we're not going, okay, God, I've paid my bills. I've been to Walmart. I've bought the fun stuff that I wanted. I did all my extra stuff. And now I've got like 10 bucks left over this month. So I guess that's what you get. God's not interested in our leftovers. God asks us out of stewardship of the things that he's blessed us with to give of the first and the best of what we have. And then to trust him with the increase that he will take care of every other need. Sometimes we like to give leftovers to God. Uh, When I was doing student ministry for a long time, one of the things that would come up very often was people coming up to me at church and going, hey, we're going to be doing some renovations. We're buying some new furniture. We got these couches and stuff. Do you think you guys with the youth group could use that? Like, do you have a room? You could need a couch in. And I was like, yeah, man, a couch sounds great. We always need places for kids to hang out and be. And, And inevitably, they would bring their stuff and it would be like scratched up by their cats so bad it was in disrepair. Uh, it would smell horribly. It had stains all over it. And they're going, hey, here's the thing that I'd like to give to you. And we're like, great, the leftovers. Good enough for the teenagers, I guess, but okay, right? Like, this is what you want. And then the next question would always floor me. Hey, do you think I can get a tax deduction thing for this? No, no, I really don't. I think it probably won't even stay in the building after you give it to us. But thank you, right? Like, we'll take care of getting rid of it for you. But when we give the leftovers to God, we miss out on the blessings that he wants us to learn from being people who know how to steward our resources by giving him the first and the best and then watching him provide when we don't know how he'll do that. And for some of us, this idea of generosity is risky, Because we're like, I'm already barely making it off of 100% of what I take in. And you're asking me to give to God a percentage of that? 5%, 8%, 10%, 12%. Like what, what do I give to God? All of that comes out of your own heart. That's a thing between you and God. Like there's grace in giving. But he's asking you, hey, step out in faith. Give the first and the best. And then watch me move and watch me provide and watch me meet your needs, right? And so the second thing that I want us to see is this. The first Corinthians, now we move to the New Testament. First Corinthians 16, two says, on the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. So Paul's writing to the young church in Corinth and he just tells them this, give systematically, and give regularly. Like that's the principle here. Give systematically 
Give regularly. On the first day of the week, in concordance with the amount of money that you make, set aside a portion that you're going to give to God. And this isn't about keeping up with the Joneses. This isn't about going, well, I think they give this much and they give that much, and so I need to try to give. He's going, you do this, not out of compulsion, but out of love and generosity. That God says, whatever it is that you decide out of the sum of money that you take in, that you're going to give to me, do it freely, do it willingly. Do it systematically, do it regularly. And so if you're someone who gets paid once a week, set aside some money once a week and give that back to God. If you're somebody who gets paid once a month, do that once a month. If you're somebody who gets paid off of commission, then give off of your commission whenever that comes around, right? So all of these things, he says, you set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income that God has called you to give to him. Again, because we are stewards of our resources, not owners. Give him the first and give him the best. And so in Mark chapter 12, I love another story that we find of Jesus. And he's at the temple. So in Exodus, we talked about the building of the tabernacle and the people doing the work. By the time of Jesus, there's a temple and it's enormous and it's immense. And Herod has rebuilt the temple. And we're in the second temple phase now. And the temple courtyards and the temple itself is just exquisite. It's unbelievable. And Jesus is sitting with his disciples And he's watching people coming into the temple and they're giving their tithes. And it says that there are men who come in and they've just got bags of money and they're just throwing it in the offering plate, right? And they're just giving vast amounts of money. And Jesus is watching all this and he doesn't say a thing about it. But then all of a sudden, a little woman walks up and she has two copper coins. She drops it into the the plate. And you can just imagine the sound of those two little copper coins bouncing around in whatever the giving box looked like. And Jesus, in that moment, calls his disciples over. He gets excited, like he stands up for the first time all day. He's been watching all this stuff happen. He stands up, he calls his guys over. Guys, guys, did you see that? And the disciples are like, what? Like, the lady, did you see the lady? Like, no, we weren't paying attention to the lady. And he's like, she just put in two copper coins. And the disciples are like, whoa, right? Like, they are just blown away by that. And Jesus goes, no, 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 you don't get it. All of these people have been coming and giving out of the vast resources that they have. There's no faith in it. There's no trust of God in it. They're just giving because it's obligation. They're just giving because it's expected. They're just giving because they can. And this woman came up with everything she had. And she trusted it to God. She doesn't know how she's going to eat tomorrow. She doesn't know how she's going to pay her bills. She doesn't know how she's going to have a place to sleep. But in faith, she put in everything she had. And Jesus is going, that's the kind of faith I'm looking for. That God the Father is looking for us to say, hey, if this costs me everything, I'm going to trust you with it. And then I'm going to believe that you're going to meet my needs. I don't know where it's going to come from. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know if this is going to hurt. I don't know if I'm going to eat tonight. I don't know if I'm going to have a place to sleep, but I'm going to trust you with this. And I'm just going to believe that you're going to meet my needs. Now, here's where I want to be careful. Because we live in a culture and a society that can become very health, wealth, and prosperity driven when it comes to this kind of stuff. And it's just like, give your money to God and he'll just bless you doubly and take care of you and just plant a seed of faith, right? You've heard that. 
God's blessings in response to you may not be financial. God will meet your needs. He will take care of you. He may not say, hey, you gave me two copper coins. I'll give you six in return. In a lot of ways, what we gain from God in this and the things that God does is he draws us into him intimately. That we get him. We get faith in this life. We get trust that God's going to meet us here and take care of our basic needs. And in the life to come, Jesus says you store up treasure for yourself in heaven. Not on earth, where moth and rust can destroy and thieves can break in and steal. But store up treasures in heaven. And one day when you're with God in heaven for eternity, the return of the investment is going to be generously returned to you. Like your eternal treasures are worth so much more than what you're storing up for yourself here. Generosity is a hallmark of faith for all of God's people. And here's where I want us to start closing up this morning. One of the things that made the early church so attractive was their generosity. And in the Roman Empire and in Jerusalem, as the disciples are reaching people with the gospel and thousands of people are becoming followers of Jesus and this new movement of the church is starting, here's what we start to see. The things that caught the Romans and the Jews off guard were the Christians' generosity. And the Bible tells us in Acts that every now and then, someone in the church would see needs in the church. And so they would go and sell a house or sell land. They would sell a field. And they would bring the money and they would set it at the apostles' feet. And they would go, if there are needs in the church, use this to pay for the needs. There were people who were going, I have multiple pairs of shoes and you don't appear to have any shoes. How about I give you some of my shoes? I have extra tunics and you don't appear to have extra tunics. Can, can I share with you some of my tunics? And the Bible says that they all shared of their needs with one another and no one went without. That's a beautiful picture of the church. It's not socialism, by the way. There was no one going, do this or else. Do this because you must. They were just going, we see needs. We have the ability to meet needs. We want to step into that world of generosity. Here's what we can do to meet the needs of others. And they gave freely and they gave liberally. And they gave out of a heart of generosity to others. And so for us, we talked about this earlier this morning already. We're in Generosity Sunday. All of the gifts that come in this week, when you give on our app, through our website, or in the giving boxes on the wall over here, whatever way that you typically give, or if you've never given before, but this morning you're going, man, I want to just give a gift to this Generosity Sunday, and I want to help pro provide for some people in some of those things. We're going to meet needs all around the world. I was with my dad yesterday in Morristown at uh, the ministry warehouse that they have. It's called God's Warehouse. And um, there was a huge earthquake in Turkey and Syria this week. I don't know if you've been following that on the news. I have a friend that I played basketball with in college who lives in Turkey. Uh, he's Muslim and he's Turkish descent. He lives there. And I reached out to him this week just to make sure he and his family were okay. He's fine, but he said the devastation is unbelievable. Scientists are telling us it looks like 150 a uh, kilogram atomic bomb has been set off. 15,000 buildings demolished. At this point, 24,000 lives lost. Estimated 100,000 people 
displaced, unaccounted for, or buried in rubble, probably dead. And when I was at the warehouse with dad's ministry team yesterday, they're already putting supplies together to send. Pallet on pallet on pallet of materials, clothes, blankets, food items. I said, what's the need? And he said, it takes about $10,000 to ship this stuff where we need to get it to go. I said, well, I don't know how much we can do, but our church is in for some. So God just happened to put us at Generosity Sunday this week. So some of the resources that we're going to take from today will be going to Turkey and to Syria to meet the needs there. Others will be used right here in our community. There are needs all around us all the time. Other needs will be met right here in our faith family because that's who we're supposed to be. We are not just a gathering of people that gets together on Sunday and goes, we like to sing these songs together and we like to listen to these messages about french fries together. We are a group of people who are family and we want to take care of each other. And so through this generosity money, we're going to take care of each other in some different ways. But I would even ask you to think about other opportunities during this year. They're like the early church that they go, hey, I I sold a field. I got some money. How can we use it for people in our church? Hey, I I sold a car. I've got some extra money. How can we use it for people in our church? Maybe you're thinking about having a yard sale sometime this spring so you can help pay for a vacation you want to go on. What if instead of that, you brought the money and said, if there's needs in our church, we use this to just meet those needs? We're a family. We want to take care of each other. So let the word of God inspire you how you move toward generosity. The last thing that I want us to see this morning, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. God has been talking to his people and he keeps telling them, you guys have been robbing from me. And the people of God keep going, what are you talking about robbing from you? How have we been doing that? And here's God's response. He says, you've, been, you've not been giving the tithes and the offerings that I've asked. And so then he tells them, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there will be food in my house. And test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be room enough to receive it. This is one of the very few times in all of Scripture that God says, I give you permission to test me. Bring your money that you don't think right now you can afford to give and give it And just see if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessings that you can't even imagine. For our community, for our faith family, for you as an individual, what does it look like to follow God in generosity? Because here's the final word. You can't outgive God. You can't. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Every resource in the universe is at his command. You cannot outgive him but he invites us into this process. He's saying, I want to teach you to be generous. I want to teach you to be liberal in your giving, with your time, with your talents, with your treasures. I want you to know what it looks like to follow me in these ways. And so this morning, we're going to close with one last song. We're going to sing together. And then your response for today is just to be thinking about throughout this week, like I said, from the, for the next week, today through Saturday of next, next week, Anything that comes into our church, we're going to find ways over the next several months to just give away and bless people. So what is God stirring in your heart to give? And then what are the places with your time and your talents that you need to give back and be a servant and a blessing to others? 
Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.